We're continuing tonight talking about the Sefirot. We started off last week with the top six. We spoke, we spoke about conception, conceptualization, application, attraction, rejection, compassion. And you're probably thinking, we did it all. What more is there? But there's four more. Where is my marker? I just want to, we're not going to be able to go into great detail about this fear, but I just want to show you, just as an example. Um, we're going to talk about the emotions for a second. So, an introvert comes from where? Someone who's introvertal is? Uh, rejection. rejection. Extrovert is? That's it. I'm not talking about a, uh, someone who's introvertal due to, uh, due to nurture. I'm talking about people who are introvertal due to nature. Right? Nurture is beyond the control of... I mean, we can go further and further on, and we can learn a lot more about Kabbalah and learn about how to deal with nurture as well, but tonight we're just talking about nature itself. Um... Something really interesting, and I know I got a ton of emails and calls and comments about compassion, that compassion really becomes the missing link. But just so you understand that, you know how we talk about right brain and left brain? That works in Kabbalah too, the right brain and left brain. But what also, and we're going to get to tonight is there's also a center brain. So these are all right brain, these are all left brain, and these, what we're going to learn, are all center brain. And there's a way to have a balanced mind. Want to come move forward? Come. So, huh? Yeah. Anyone else in the booklet? I need oral one. Oral one? Just come up, just come up, try to, yeah, find a spot. Thanks. I've got one here for you. You can just uh, be careful in the projector. <laughs> okay, so tonight I want to introduce the next phase of three. As we know now, these are our triangle, the intellectual triangle. We have now the emotional triangle, and there's a third triangle. Who has any guess what the third triangle is? It's called the functionality triangle. See, these are all emotions. They're very connected. Now, how do we function? So we have a new word we're going to introduce. The, the next one is called netzach. Meaning? Victory. So what is victory? Victory is the capacity of the soul... Um, the victory is the capacity of the soul to fight and be victorious. So, you wake up in the morning and you know that today I have a certain amount of things that I have to accomplish. I can't lie in bed anymore. I have to go out 
and, and accomplish. I have to do. And you automatically think of all the obstacles and all the things and all the reasons why you're not going to be successful today. The nature of Netzach is to say, I can do anything. I'm victorious. I will win the war. In battle, you don't ask questions. All you do is your focus. You go into a new mode, the mode of winning. That's Netzach. No, no ambition. We already, we already got, we already, we already got to. Oh, sorry. It says on that. It says ambition. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So we're gonna call it ambition. 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 Yes. But ambition is a movement towards victory, anyways. Ambition essentially is what it is. It's more than than just victory. It's also very good. I'm sorry. I I, I translated it as ambition. Now I'm going to go to the next one, and then we're going to talk about the two together. The next one is called Hod. How did I translate it there? Submission. Submission. Now, very simple. Kabbalah talks about the horse and the chariot. The horse is ambition, the chariot is submission. The chariot has absolutely no desire on its own. It goes wherever the horse goes. But that's not a, a perfect example. Hod is a is surrender. I'm going to change this submission, and I'm going to call it tonight surrender. And I'll tell you why. In war, there are two things that happen. The person, the, if there's two countries fighting, one is victorious and the other one what? Is defeated, right? Defeated is not a good attribute. The opposite of victorious is surrender. When you're victorious, you're victorious. But the opposite of that is surrendering. Defeat is passive. It's not active. Victory and surrender are opposites. Netzach, victory without surrender, is very scary. There are people who live for competition. Everything's a competition. Children are like that. They're not developed, so... You can create these competitions, they get excited. Because in that war, in the competition, nothing else exists. All I want to do is win the war. All I'm going to do, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me about conception or conceptualization. Don't talk to me about attraction or rejection or compassion. I'm not compassionate towards anyone. I need to win. I'm going to grab that client. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what happens. I'm going to get that person. I will do it. Nothing will stop me. Nothing will get in my way, no matter what you say. So often we get into relationships and people try to talk us out of them. But we're in that victory mode. I got it. I'm here. Here I am. Don't talk to me about anything else. I am victorious. And what happens then? Our heart is broken. So what is 
the opposite of victory. It's not defeat. It's not a broken heart. It's surrender. It's surrender to the ego. It's surrender. It's humility. Hod is humility. It's admitting. Modet. Hod comes from the word modet. To admit. To confess. To surrender. To acknowledge the other person is right. And I'm wrong. It's so easy to shift the blame. Defeat is shifting the blame. Kabbalah does not want us to ever, ever, ever shift the blame. We take responsibility for all of our actions. But we take it in a way of surrender. It's okay. We're not supposed to be perfect. No one asked us to be perfect. No one said, you're going to come into this world and the goal of being in this world is to attain perfection. That's not our goal. That's not right. If anyone says the goal is to be perfect, it's wrong. The goal is to be better. And the way we become better is through victory and surrender. Through ambition and submission. Sometimes we have those moments where we're excited. Where the whole world's in our hands. And sometimes we have to surrender. Sometimes we have to submit to a higher power. I'll tell you something interesting. There are some things in life you can't change. Like your mom. Can't change your mom. Can't change your dad. There are some things in life you could change, but but shouldn't change. Like your nose. Your hair color. You could change them, but you shouldn't. And there are some things in life that you must change, like your ego, like your character traits, like laziness, fear. But what's so amazing about our world and the way we're conditioned is most people spend their whole life trying to change what they can't change, like their parents. Or they spend their life trying to change what they shouldn't change, like their nose. And they don't spend any time changing what must be changed. Like their character traits, like fear, like laziness. That is Netzach and Hod. Change what must be changed. The things that you can't control, they're not in your control. Give up, surrender. But the things that must be changed, you must not let any stone be left unturned until you change them. That is our power. That is what we must do in our life. Our world, our life's mission is to change what must be changed and to surrender to those things that we can't change. We can't change our spouse's personality. I know every girl's looking for a fixer-upper. We can't change the person we're married to. But what we can do is change ourselves. And as a result, we'll change the relationship. It's amazing how that happens, how that works. It happens every time. It works perfectly every time. You change yourself, and all of a sudden, the person changes. 
wow, you're a different person. Good morning. <laughs> Who's different now? What's amazing about this, the surrender, it's a very powerful thing. You have an argument with someone. But what happens? Moshe, argue with me. You don't know what you're talking about. You're right. I surrender. <laughs> Try again. Israel, the Israeli army is crazy and they're destroying Palestinian lives. You're right. What are you going to say to that? Awesome. <laughs> come, come join Hamas. <laughs> That's why he was nice to me all day long. <laughs> the, <laughs> we're so victorious at the wrong times. We've got to argue and prove our point and show how what I'm saying is the right thing. Relax. What's the point of the argument? I want to tell you, 99.9% of arguments don't turn out good. So don't argue. It doesn't matter. Argue with yourself. Argue with your growth. Argue with your character. Take that part of yourself that needs to be changed and make that the argument. Don't take someone else and try to make an argument out of that. They, they always, I always get phone calls from different student groups at Concordia. We're doing interfaith dialogues. Will you come join the interfaith dialogue? I said, I'll come, but I'm not going to argue. And so every time it happens, I go, and these, you know, the priest stands up and makes his big point, and then the imam or the minister or the, the Buddhist poet, they get up and they make their points, and I get up and just make everybody laugh. What's the point? And, and the priest is always so upset. You're supposed to argue with us. You're right. Of course. You're so right. Everything you said was 100% right to someone who follows your way of thinking. Why do I have to argue with? You're so right. We're all right. This is not a science class. In science, the problem is that we start from the bottom instead of from the top. We need to be victorious on ourselves. The way we look at ourselves is netzach. The way we look at the world is hot. The way we look at ourselves is netzach. The way we look at our spouse is hot. If you're victorious in overpowering your evil impulse, and then when you look at your spouse, you look at the person you're in a relationship with and you surrender to them, that's hot. That's the power of a relationship. Rabbi, that could be an imbalance if you submit. Hold on, we didn't finish the third. We didn't get the middle, the middle ground yet. You're right, it's completely imbalanced right now. We are imbalanced. Okay. <laughs> Most importantly, Hod is surrendering to a higher power. There is a, a natural Jewish trait. It's called Maminim B'nai Maminim. We are believers, the children of believers. 
We are believers. That belief is in Hod. We surrender ourselves to a higher power. That is the quintessential nature of a soul, to surrender itself to a higher power. I just want to go inside. We're going to go to page 33. We'll read a a little inside. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex, to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Netzach Hod. And Yisod. What do I translate Yisod as? Anyone? What do I translate Yisod as? Bonding. 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 (laughs) I have a better word for it. I have a better word. I'm going to call it tonight intimacy. We're going to get there soon. That's the balance of victory and submission. Intimacy. Netzach and Hod correspond to the two thighs and Yesod to the reproductive organ, the Brit Kodesh. Just as the thighs support the body and transport the body to its destination, so to Netzach and Hod channel the upper Sefirot. The Kabbalists parallel Netzach with the personality of Moses, Hod with the personality of Aaron, and Yesod with Joseph. The word Netzach comes from the word Minatseach, meaning to conquer or overcome. Netzach denotes the idea of dominance. By giving an unlimited weight, one is overwhelming the other. And in this respect, it's an extension of chesed on the right side. We're going to talk about the right side tonight. the left, and the center. Hod is just the opposite, being an extension of gevura on the left side, of rejection, rejection, submission. It denotes with strain to the point of submission. Hod stems from the word hoda'a, meaning to think, admit, or submit. Total dominance over another is a netzach relationship. Total submission is a hod relationship. Yesod 
intimacy balances the two. It facilitates communication and is therefore the foundation of the world. Because also Yisod also means foundation. Now, let's talk about Yisod. Because Yisod is really the key here. Because remember, when we're talking here about the intellect, right? These three are intellect. I'm going to just write int. And then we have the emotional. And these are the functional. So, when it comes to our everyday, when it comes to our practical, when it comes to what's real, Netzachod and Yisod are the hardest to understand, but the most important to our lives. What is Yisod? Yisod is the capacity of the soul to be intimate. The ability to go into someone else's world. I want to give you an example. Have you ever heard your voice on tape? Anyone ever heard their voice recorded? Yeah. What is it? Well, the first time you heard it, what did it sound like? It's very funny. It's very funny. Yeah. It sounds foreign. It sounds strange. You can't imagine that's my voice. Yeah. It's unbelievable. That's my voice. So often, so often we speak, but we don't listen. And the moment that you hear your voice recorded, you're like, who's that speaking? We speak every day. All the time we're speaking and speaking and speaking, but we don't hear a word we're saying. The proof is when you hear yourself recorded. One of, a, one of the, the interesting things that... I'm, so, I'm sorry to bring him up in this forum, but I'm just using him as, a, as an analogy. There was no greater speaker of the last century than Hitler. And I read a biography that was written about him. And this man stood in front of the mirror, rehearsing his speeches seven hours every day. I don't know how he had time for anything else, but anyone who knows about his speeches. This man carried and inspired millions of people to pure hatred. His speeches were perfect, polished and impeccable. His style was pristine. Any teacher that teaches elocution or oratory skills will use him as the example, as the prototype of a speaker. This is a man who rehearsed his speeches perfectly. But also, someone once asked him, in the biography I read, someone once asked him, what's your secret to inspiring people? What's your secret to a a good speech? And he said, I look at myself in the mirror until I can listen to myself, until I can become the audience. Those were his words. If he would have used that for the best, he could have changed the world. He could have, he did change the world, to the bad. No, but I mean like in a good way. Absolutely. But that is the secret. The secret is if we only listen to the words that we say. If we only stopped a moment and listened to ourselves. Spent seven hours a day looking at the mirror, listening to the words that are coming out of our mouths. That's Yisod. That's the power of being intimate. Essentially, Yisod is... I should say 
what you need to hear. I'm not the speaker. I'm the audience. But somebody here has to talk. If we were all sitting here and no one was saying anything, we'd be meditating. It would be nice, but it wouldn't be a class. So someone has to say the words. But essentially, what I'm doing is, and what should be done, is I'm saying things that you already know. I remember who said this, but somebody once said, um, if you have to tell something to someone they don't know on their own, it's not worth saying. A powerful speaker, a powerful speaker will help the, uh, the people listening reach their own potential. And I think, to tell you the truth, not to go off on a tangent, but I think that's a big problem with religious leaders today, is that it's become dogmatic and it's become this, this a sermon, right? What's the definition of a sermon? To, uh, to, to educate in a new belief. We don't need any new beliefs. We know what we know. We are who we are. We don't need to learn anything new. We just need to be able to take what we know and integrate it into our lives. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole point. That's what Yisod is. That's what intimacy is. Taking who you are and integrating it into your life. <clears throat> there was a professor at Cambridge University. And this professor taught ethics and mathematics. And a couple of years ago, he was indicted for some kind of uh, scandal, personal scandal of some sort, whatever you can take, use your own imagination of what happened. So they asked him, the reporters asked him, but you're an ethics professor. So he turns to them and he says, I'm also a geography, uh, I'm also a geometry professor, and I'm not a triangle. <laughs> the problem in our world today is assimilation. We know so much. We live in a world where information is at our fingertips. Do you have any idea how much information is stored in this little device? If somebody from a hundred years ago would come to the world today and you could try to explain to them that if you were to take just Wikipedia and put it into book form, it would be over 7,000 volumes. And a hundred years ago, all they had was about 35 volumes of, of a world book or a, a Britannica. Just, that's just Wikipedia. Forget about Google. And it's all right here in my fingertips. I don't have to turn a page. I just have to press a button. What's so interesting is that, and I'm going to go a step further with this, is... According to the Torah, the world is how old? 5773. 5773. So each of the sefirot represent a millennia. So let's go through the millennia. The first millennia was chesed, was conception. 
Does that, does that work? Yeah. Adam, a thousand years old. It was all about aesthetics. The world felt awesome. That was the first millennia. The second millennia was... Sorry, 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 sorry. The first was chesed. Oh, chesed. Sorry, sorry, chesed. It was attraction. It was, sorry, it was attraction. It felt awesome. Everything was attracted to everything. It was just all exciting. The world was new. Everyone was living a long time. They were just perpetuating the world. They were getting into trouble. It was great. Then came rejection. Second millennia was the flood, the Tower of Babel, the destruction of Saddam and Gomorrah. Pure destruction. Then came the third millennia. What was the third millennia? Anyone know? When was the Torah given? What year? 2448. Middle of the third millennia, the Torah was given. That's compassion. That's deferent. God was compassionate towards the world and gave the greatest secrets to the world. What's interesting about the third millennia is what we understood about the first millennia was that the aesthetics are only, for lack of a better word, aesthetical if there's ethics. That's a foundation, a value of Judaism. The aesthetics are only beautiful if there's ethics involved, where the Greeks said the exact opposite, right? They said the aesthetics are only good if there's no ethics involved. Essentially, a lot of what our era, we'll talk about our era soon. The fourth millennia is victory. What happened there? The year 2928, right at the turn of the fourth millennia, the temple was built. The Jews lived in Israel. Solomon reigned. It was the greatest time in history for the Jewish people, possibly the greatest time in history, period. Then entered the fifth millennia. The submission millennia is when the temples were destroyed and the, world, the Jews were put into exile. And then we entered the sixth millennia. And this is our world we're in the sixth millennia now, 5773. Our world is connected to intimacy. Our world is connected to bonding. Uh, we have in our world today, we have the sexual revolution. And then we have the greatest revolution of all time, the communication revolution. We can communicate in our world like never before. Technology, tonight we're going to see an example of that. Could you imagine that on the other side, hundreds of miles away, we're going to have a class, a live class tonight, through the power of technology and communication. Now, the problem that we have, because everything in this world is balanced, the problem is that this world, the world we live in today, the biggest struggle that we have is yesod, is intimacy. Because we have the greatest communication. But what happens around the dinner table? Everyone's on their iPhones. We have the greatest communication, but couples aren't talking anymore. 
We have the greatest communication, but no one is having any quality time with each other. We're not communicating in the era of communication. We're not being intimate. We're not bonding. We're not having real experiences. We prefer going to pray to God amongst thousands of people than going to pray to God amongst our family. We prefer to be one of a million than one human being alone, connected. And that is our world. That is the greatest struggle. I'll tell you something interesting about Kabbalah. Kabbalah says that your greatest struggle is your mission in life. Whatever is hardest for you, let's say, for example, some people have a really hard time with getting up in the morning. We'll call it laziness, for lack of a better word. If you have a trouble with laziness, that is your struggle. Instead of accepting, that's the way God made me. I'm a lazy person. That's not okay. That's not the answer. You're not a lazy person. You're definitely not a lazy person. You are, have the greatest potential. You can do anything. There's nothing that you can't do. You have the power within you to do absolutely anything. Then we have the opposite. Relax. You can do anything, but you're still human. But the true, the middle balance is being able to take that power, that ambition, the power to do anything, connect it with that, that, that internal struggle, and then succeed. Fight your own nature. Fight the difficulty. Fight those things that are blocking you from achieving your potential. Connect with yesod, with intimacy. Connect first with yourself. And once you can connect with yourself, you can connect with another. And that, that gets us to the last and final of the Sefirot. <coughs> Which is called Malchut. What do I translate Malchut as? Anyone? Huh? Nobility. No Nobility, but I'm going to translate it also as relationships. You see, all of the spirits up until this point have all been about ourselves. It's all about me and myself, all of my problems, all the things that are going on in my head and in my heart and my emotions, my intellect, my life, it's me and my problems. But something happened. And let's go back to the first class. What did we say about creation in the first class? Why did God create this world? We don't know. <laughs> to bring the finite uh, to the infinite. Because God desired. Desire. Like passion. God desired to have a dwelling place in the lower worlds. God desired to create a being that can go the opposite, that can go against 
It's very reason for being created. That's what God desired. That's what God wanted. God wanted to create a being that can go against. And when we choose good, that's a relationship. So let's connect it. Malchut is relating to someone else. It's a relationship with another. The only way we can understand God is through having a relationship with someone else. The act of being in a relationship with someone else, a passionate, loving, intimate relationship, and then whatever happens to you as a result, that's malchut. But malchut could only be achieved with someone else. Can you sit on a mountain all day and meditate and be married? To someone? Why not? But I want to get closer to the source. You know how amazing our relationship will be if you just let me meditate all day? I will be the greatest person you'll ever know. I will become a righteous person. And you will be, can say, I am married to a righteous man. Are we in a relationship then? Are we married? There's no way to get married on the mountain. Well, the caterer wouldn't go. <laughs> you can't get married to yourself. And a lot of people think they can get married to themselves. You can't get married to yourself. In order to truly love yourself, you have to love someone else. Love someone else, like you saw it, with that intimate, connected relationship. God doesn't need us. God didn't need this world. God desired this world. Like we desire to connect with another person. That desire, we don't understand it. We don't even understand it in ourselves. There are hundreds of books coming out every day about relationships. Because nobody gets it. There's a book. Hear this one. There's a book called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. Now, the shock to me is that actually it's sold. Well, you know, no one knew that men and women are different before that? Yeah. No one knew that men are from Mars and women are from Venus? The good thing is, Jews are from Sinai. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a shock. Everyone's like, oh, I need this book. Men and women are different. This is exciting. <laughs> We're different. We don't get each other and we're not supposed to get each other. We get each other when we have compassion to each other. We get each other once we have compassion. We go down the middle road and then we can bond. Compassion leads to bonding. So many people think that it takes love. This is love, right? Your attraction. Chesed is love. Some people have their relationships based on rejection. Right? We, we, we're, we're together, and then we fight, and then we make up, and then we're together, and we fight, and we make up. That's the, the attraction based on rejection. 
Attraction based on compassion means you are who you are. It don't matter. I love you because you are. I am compassionate towards you. And then we go into the next level, the level of victory. What happens to the functionality of our relationship once we're compassionate? What happens to the victory of our relationship? It's you and I against the world. Nobody can come between our relationship. Nobody can get into the middle of this relationship. I don't care how many mother-in-laws there are. I don't care how many friends there are. It's you and I against the world, not against each other. But that's not enough. Because we need to hold, we need to submit to a higher power. There's three in the relationship. There's me and you and God. And only once that can happen, once you have compassion, togetherness, submitting to a higher power, that creates intimacy. Intimacy can even be thought of all everything woven together. That's what it is. That's what it is. It is. That is the brainstem. Your sort is like the brainstem. It connects everything. And only once you're intimate, only once you have that bonding, that is sort can you have anything to do with somebody else? That's where somebody else comes in. I'll tell you very interesting. We were talking about male and female, and we know the right side is male and the left side is female. It's not true. There's only one female attribute in all of Kabbalah. That's Malchut. Malchut connects everything. Malchut goes through everything because it's you and I with all the sefirot. It's connecting to someone else with all seven of your faculties. For some reason, God put within us that we're not complete without having someone else in our life. It doesn't really make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. But for some reason, we need to have another person in our life. And not just another person. Another person that loves us unconditionally for who we are, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of our garbage, all of our problems, everything. That person loves us because we are. Because that person desires us. That love is so much deeper than any love that we've ever had. So a lot of studies done about when that... Well, what's, the, what, what's the number one trait in a relationship? What keeps relationships together? Anyone know? Trust. 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 Trust is it. That's it. There's nothing else. Everything else is a really good word. There's one word in relationships. Trust. How long does trust take? Take to develop? How many? Once it's destroyed, or once... <laughs> I'm not talking about once it's destroyed. Just to develop it without being destroyed. Well, can it exist immediately? There's two different levels of... There's a lot of different levels of trust. But to really get to a point where we have a trusting relationship, an intimate trusting relationship, it's about five years, according to a University of Michigan study. <laughs> How many people have been in a, in, a, in a real relationship? 
That's a real relationship. And when you reach that level, you know it. Anyone sitting in this room, I can see the, the heads moving. Anyone sitting in this room that's been in that relationship knows it. It's a very different level. It's a very different world. It's a world of intimacy. It's a world of yesod, of bonding. Things look very different from that, from that place. Because that is what God desired. And when we reach that moment, we understand what God thinks about us. Because that is exact analogy to our relationship with God. Last night, in this room that you're sitting, two people got married. They're sitting here now. We had a wedding here in this room last night. That union happened. We have a chatan and kala amongst us. Derek and Bridget. That moment, that experience, that level of making that commitment, that is the most incredible experience in humanity. And if anyone gives you an explanation for marriage, they're wrong. There's no explanation for marriage. That is what God wanted. That's it. And that's why, if you're not religious and you never saw a rabbi before, you're going to run to the rabbi, marry us, marry us, marry us. For what? Your friends are like, you're not religious. You don't, you don't know anything about rabbis, about priests, about ministers, about imams. What do you know about this stuff? Oh, we've got to find a rabbi. We're getting married. Because it's a godly experience. It's, a, it's the only way we understand God is through marriage. The only way we understand God is through marriage, through intimacy, through bonding. Now we can go level upon level, and we can go much deeper, and we will go much deeper into these things. I mean, I'll just, I'll, just I'll, I'll give you a little idea. So this is the right side, right-brained. Right-brained are people who are creative, right? They're the ones who create, who create. This is creative. Chachma is creative. Uh, chesed is, is attractive. They're charismatic. They're very, they're very, uh, they have high self-esteem. Netzach has a very high self-esteem. Left side are the people who are the, do, who are the, who are the expanders, who are the ones who are the managers. They're the ones who, who, um, who, are, who can take the idea from the right brain people and make it work. Turn it into a big business. They're the ones who who know when to say to the, to the idea people, enough is enough. They're the ones who, who know how to put the stop to create the structure. Gevura structure. Hod. Submission. They know when is the time to give in. And by giving in, by down, by going down, you end up going up. These are the managers. Now that is as far as psychology will take us in our day and age. But Kabbalah takes us one step further, shows us what's called the center brain. The center brain is a unique, unique balance 
between the right and left brain, and that is our goal. Our goal is to become center brain. What does that look like? What is somebody who's, someone who's application, a doer? Not just a doer, a doer with no drama. I'm just gonna do it, don't, don't, just, just, that's it, come on, I have no time for you. Doing, doing, doing. We gotta get the job done. We have no time for your ideas. We have, no, we have no time for this. We're going to get the job done. But we're going to do it with the initial idea. We're going to do it with the manager, with the structure. We're going to apply. Then, compassion. What's so important about that, that emotional trait of compassion? Why do we need that in our lives? We need that in our lives because we'll never get upset. We'll never get angry. We'll never be in fear. Because we're compassionate. And then, everything works. The last level. Everything works there. If you want to know how to build a company, you got it right here. You want to build a successful operation? That's your model. You need the idea people, you need the managers, and you need the inventors. The people that get the job done. That's it. It's all set up for you. It's sales. Yeah, this is the sales. Now, it's interesting also, I just want to give you... Just, we're gonna, I, I, we only have five minutes left until the next part of the, our program tonight. But um, what's conception? It's a point. That's it. It stops, right? Boom. Stops. Bina expands. Goes on forever. No limit. Now, what about chesed? What happens there? Chesed is kindness forever. Forever, forever. But Gvura stops. So look. Chachma and Gvura are both the stop. Bina and Chesed go on forever. So we're going to create the X. They're both left side, right side integrated. You want to go to the next? Let's go to the next. What's the connection between rejection and victory and ambition? Anyone else? I guess once you reach your goal, that's it. That's it. It stops. But then surrender goes on forever. But surrender would be this movement. It's the X. It goes on and on and on. It can go on and on. Now, what's amazing is that they're all balanced. And the balance is all held up by one item, by one sephira, Yisod. The balance is all about connecting it all. Bonding. We've got to connect it all. It's worthless without the connection of bonding. And then, there's not even any connection. This is just dangling. This doesn't, not even part of the structure. Because that's somebody else. You can't even dream of letting someone else into your life. Unless you've reached Yisod. And then, somebody else can take place. Because you have place for that person. We started off in the beginning by saying, we've got to empty our vessels. This is filling the vessel. This is emptying the vessel. Fill, empty, fill, empty the circle of life. And we can go on and on. So, Rabbi, so the center brain is the center of it all? Yes. Yeah, all, each it's the balance of the two. Each one. It's a triangle. Each one. Intellectual triangle, emotional triangle, functional triangle. But the functional is the most important. Now, there's a lot of, by the way, there's Keter in there, we put in there, but there's no, I, I just, I don't want to get involved with the Keter, because Keter is also really amazing. It's like the higher consciousness. 
but you can't have dot if you have keter. That's the way it works. So it's a little interchangeable, and I don't want to go into there tonight. Um, we have five minutes before we bring on Rabbi Miller. Uh, is any questions, anything you want to talk about? Yes. When you were referring to the mission before, something that we have to work on, is that known also known as tikkun? You could call it tikkun. Okay. Many people have called it tikkun, but not necessarily. It's our purpose for being in this world. And we don't have to look and try to find our reason. But what we do know is if it's a struggle, that means we've got to work on it. And that's our job. Our job is to do. We live in the world of Asiya. We established that in lesson two. We have to do. And we can't be scared of being able to face that and being able to conquer that. Because that's part of Netzach. We're able to conquer that part of ourselves. But the most amazing thing, you want to know something that comes out of tonight. I know a lot of you took, up, took compassion out of last class. Take surrender out of this class. Being able to surrender. Surrender is not a bad thing. Surrender doesn't mean you lost. Surrender means you've given in to a higher power. Surrender doesn't mean that you lost the battle, you lost the argument. So often, if you surrender, you lose the battle but win the war. If you surrender, you really won the battle. I don't want to give examples of that because I'm sure you have examples in your life where you've surrendered and you've won the war. You're right. Let's just surrender. Good. I like that. Good stuff. Who was the first to sort of bring this form of Etzchayim into Kabbalah? We established the Arizal was really the first one that we know of to really establish it in this form, in the way that we, the way we know it today. Okay. I'm going to go see. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode.